0: Hello and welcome back to the No Limits Podcast with Rick. Hope you are having an awesome day so far. Thank you very much for tuning in and thank you very much for all the kind words and compliments with the podcast and I'm great to hear that it has been providing value as that is the goal here. I want to be helping you achieve more out of your progress in the gym but also in life as well. So coming into today's podcast, I'm gonna be discussing something that is more aligned with getting the most out of the gym and especially your work sets. So at the end of the day, the point of training is to progress. If we are consistently progressing, we are ensuring that we are giving the body a proper stimulus to grow more muscle, get stronger, if we're you know a little bit older we're not going to experience muscle wastage we're not going to experience osteopenia all that good stuff things that you know maybe you're more aesthetically driven which is absolutely cool but sometimes you know those aesthetic goals can also help us in the long run when we're in our 60s and 70s and we're able to pick up our grandchildren if we have them um, so with the the work sets they're the sets account. count but I do have a maybe a little bit of a controversial, probably not, but a little bit of a controversial uh, thought here around prog- progress in the gym. So I think the term progressive overload needs to die. Why is that? I feel like the term progressive overload, although it makes absolute sense, and you know it's been used for years, it says what it does, well, does what it says on the tin, but I think it can lead us astray. And it definitely led me astray back in the day. I used to be so focused on load that I was so ego driven that if I wasn't progressing by 10, 20 kilos on a lift each week, it was just pointless. I shouldn't have even been, you know, doing anything less. Like I would just pretend the five kilos and the 2.5 kilos and the 1.25 kilos don't exist maybe you can relate to this, that you've been like this in past. And then hopefully you didn't, but you probably learned the lesson that I did, that this just results in your technique going to shit, your joints feeling like crap all the time. Finishing a set and kind of being like, eh, did I even hit the muscle that I was going for? I just feel like my joints hurt and I don't feel like my chest hurts, for example. Specifically, the flat bench press is where the ego really came out when I was younger. So, The term that I think would be far better suited is progressive stimulus. Because essentially that is what we want. We want a progressive stimulus over time, not just load. Because progressive stimulus could be, we just add an additional rep. Progressive stimulus could even be that we match reps from the previous week and then we actually improve our technique. Maybe you're doing a Romanian deadlift and then you get six reps with a hundred kilos last week. But you know, you kind of rushed the negatives a little bit. You kind of stopped a little bit shorter than you should have. And then this week you go again, you get six, but you're way more controlled on the negative. You get a deeper stretch, pause at the bottom, and then you drive up. Now, if you focus on progressive overload, and then you did that, then you might just be like, fuck, I just maintained. I didn't provide any new stimulus for growth. That was a waste of time. But when you look at it through the lens of progressive stimulus, that is absolutely a progression. And as always, no matter how small the progress, it's still progress. So keeping that in mind, the thing that I see in the gym quite often is that there's not a whole lot of stimulus in the work sets that I see. And oftentimes if I speak to a new individual or sometimes someone might ask me on Instagram for some tips with their program they're following, more often than not, I'll look at the program and there's just all the exercises, all the sets. It's like eight exercises per you know session and like four to five sets per exercise. And I'm just thinking, hmm, I would love to see a video to see how these work sets actually look. But oftentimes I would ask a question like, okay, like, awesome, thank you for sending through. Are you doing any build-up sets or you know warm-ups before this? And oftentimes I'll say, nah, I'll just maybe do some for the first exercise. I'll usually just go on the treadmill before I start and then I'll crack on. Um, so, yes, they might be doing a lot of sets, but it would be underperforming. And oftentimes when we have all those sets, we self-sabotage and we actually don't do as well as we could especially keeping in mind that when it comes to training, especially in our work sets, we want to be within three to zero reps from failure. Now research says four, I would find it really fucking hard to determine where four reps away from failure is. But three reps is about where the the, the rep speed starts to slow down a bit, maybe like 30% from your previous reps on the positive. And then of course, any further than that, you, are going to be getting closer and closer to failure. Then when you fail, of course, you know, the weight's not moving. Not to say that you have to go to failure, but oftentimes when I look around the gym, no one's even coming close. So when you get into the gym and you want to get the most out of your work sets, one of the best things we can do is ensure we are actually warming up properly. Now, when I was a coaching person, I found this was quite odd when I first started in the gym. I feel like I spent the two years leading up whilst doing my PT course and then like getting everything right before I started, um, like researching and deep diving and learning and learning and learning and learning. Then I walked into the gym and then I would just see, all right, uh, PT in the gym, maybe like the head PT at the time. And then all these clients, he would just put on the rower before they started training or jog on the treadmill before they started training. And it just like got me thinking there is like, but like they're in the gym to build muscle. That's their goal. And they want to get stronger. Why are we doing the rower? Why are we going for a jog? And if I was paying for a coaching person, I wouldn't want to just be warming up with them for the first 15 minutes. And don't even get me started on the PTs. I still see it all the time. The PTs stretching their clients afterwards. Firstly, stretching is extremely overrated and I stand by that. Um, but I just don't get it. Like you're paying someone to stretch you, like go to, if you want that relief, like I would just go to a myotherapist that makes a lot more sense. Your as a PT, your role is to help clients move better in the gym, help them build muscle, help them get stronger. But, um, anyway, so the thought here is that if we want to get the most out of our work sets, we want to make sure that we're priming ourselves for those work sets. So we're as mentally and physically ready to attack them with as much accuracy as possible. So if we're not warming up before we go into our work sets, like we are really setting ourselves up for injury, other muscle groups just taken over in joints, tendons, ligaments doing more of the work than your actual target muscle. Also your technique is more likely to suck. So, maybe if you're in the gym at the moment and you find like, oh, I just feel like I can't get my technique right, but you're not actually doing any warm up sets, this is probably what's holding you back. Now, the thing with warm ups is oftentimes the idea behind them is thrown off because I see a lot of people, maybe they do their warm ups or they tell me what they do for their warm ups and they're doing it right. They're doing the build up sets, which I like to call them, but they'll do like, 15 reps, tw- 15 reps, 12 reps, 10 reps, and then they go into their work set. But then they build up to like right near their work set weight and do like 12 reps. Now, the goal with the build up sets should be to gradually increase the load so your nervous system is getting more used to the weight. Because if you just jump straight into a 100 kilo barbell bench press without even thinking about it or doing any warm ups, that's going to feel fucking heavy. But if you say, did 50 kilos for six reps, 70 kilos for three reps, 90 kilos for one rep, and then you went into the 100 kilos, you'd be ready for it. You'd know how the bar feels in your hands. You'd know how it feels guiding it down. Your chest is actually gonna be ready for it, even though I don't usually ever, never recommend flat barbell bench presses as an optimal chest building exercise, but that's neither here nor there. So. We want to ensure that we aren't adding any unnecessary fatigue with our build-ups. So it's not about just getting warm. It's about priming ourselves, practicing the technique, getting your nervous system used to the load. So that would be my suggestion. If you are after like an approach that I recommend for build-up sets, it would be 50% of your goal weight that you want to strive for for six to eight reps. 70% of your goal weight you want to strive for for 2 to 3 reps and then 90% of your goal set weight set weight for 1 to 2 reps max because let's say you're doing a movement and it's like maybe you get 5 reps and then if you do 4 reps with on the build up set you've just added a whole bunch of fatigue unnecessarily so we want to make sure that we're primed now the typical recommendation take as many as you need for the compound lifts that are more loaded heavier um i would say three to four build up sets so this might look like 50 70 90 95 for one as the final one and for your isolation lifts of course like if they're a bit lighter you're doing like one arm cable side raises you probably don't need to do four build up sets but i would say one to two eking closer to the two just to make sure techniques on point, your body's ready for the movement. So if you're not doing build-up sets for your work sets, you are not getting as much as you might think out of your work sets. And you might be doing all the sets, but you're actually just adding unnecessary fatigue, ends up being junk volume. And maybe there's like two sets out of the four or five sets that you do that are actually beneficial, but you've just added a heap of fatigue thinking that the other ones are work sets, but really, your body's not firing right, the weight's not really targeting the target tissue. So that would be point one. Make sure that you're building up properly before you start your work sets. Number two, this is something that I think as a newbie, we all go through. You've probably gone through it, I definitely went through it. And it can be sometimes, and oftentimes in life, this uh, gets us in trouble, basing more on our feelings than data or like what is you know needed to achieve a goal. So we base it on feelings when we're in the gym and we want to annihilate ourselves and really feel like we've done a lot of hard work. We would do maybe what I used to do, where I used to superset incline barbell bench press, flat barbell bench press, decline barbell bench press. And then I would go into my fly movements and I would do like decline flies, straight arm flies, incline flies, all super and I would rest for max 60 seconds per movement and yeah I felt really tough and I felt like I did a crazy session or super puffed out yeah like you got a nice pump but when we think about training yes I mentioned before that progressive overload is a statement that should probably die but we still want to ensure that we're providing the best stimulus possible Now, even though when we do supersets and we rest really short periods, it feels more intense, the muscle hurts, we're actually limiting our ability to grow because we aren't loading the muscle as much. We're not providing as much um, nerdy talk, mechanical tension on the muscle. Now, this doesn't mean that we go be a power lifter and we sit down for 10 minutes between each set. But from what we've seen on the research, Roughly around three to five minutes between your work sets is optimal to ensure that you are performing at your best in your work sets and you're not seeing performance drop off too drastically from rushing through. Now, this also comes with your movements in the gym as well. As you go through each rep oftentimes when we are also focused on that progressive overload and we're just chasing weight, we don't think about what we're actually doing in our sets as much and we end up more likely than not really rushing through the sets. So when you're in the gym, one thing that I always like to focus on, now oftentimes people talk about tempo and it, it get a bit cringy when I hear about it where like people will say on Instagram like, make sure you feel the squeeze, my muscle connection, which, yeah, like it's okay. Like, yeah, of course it's good to like, make sure you feel like the muscle is working, but some movements just overload the muscle in the stretch position. You don't get that crampy feeling in the muscle. Like for example, if you were to do barbell back squats, like, do you feel that like crazy crampy feeling in your quads? Probably not, but there's no denying that they're a, you know, great quad builder you've done right more often than not, kind of like the bench press, rarely recommend it, but uh, hack squat would be a better example. But how about leg extensions? They are fucked. Like you look at leg extensions on a program and you might be the same, like, ah, leg extensions, easy. But in the moment, when you're doing them, it is literally like you're being set on fire and having salt thrown in your wounds at the exact same time. They're brutal. And you feel the fuck out of your quads. So that's a, a the a reason why we don't necessarily want to be so focused on one muscle connection. And oftentimes individuals that say this also recommend like a really slow tempo every part of the rep where I'm a little bit different. This is based on individuals that are much smarter than me and the research that they've done. And what I've found is that the most important part of each rep that we go through, so think about every rep is, tells a story of hypertrophy. Every single rep tells a story of muscle growth. Yes, as you get closer to failure, it's a more important story, but every rep still counts. So the most important part of each rep that you don't want to rush is the negative. I'll probably say this very often on the podcast because it is super common. I look around the gym, oftentimes individuals are really rushing that negative, but going nice and slow on the positive, holding at the top on the contraction, where you actually want to do the reverse. You want to be really slow on the negative and you really want to hold it in the stretch before you go into the positive. So you want to hold in the stretch. You don't want to rush out of it. Now, the stretch and the negative is like an analogy for life. They're the most uncomfortable parts of the rep. So we should lean into it. As always, we proactively seek discomfort. We're going to get more growth. So same goes with your reps. So if you want to get more out of your work sets, ensure that every rep you're doing is telling a great story for hypertrophy. I recommend a three to four second eccentric on the negative. Don't overanalyze it. Don't have to worry about counting in your head, but roughly a three to four second eccentric, a one to two second pause in the negative or the eccentric pause, explosive on the positive. Be as explosive as you can. We're much stronger on the negative, so we want to spend more time there. We're not as strong on the positive, we want to be explosive there. And from what we've seen, there's even like individuals that do like um, loaded negatives that get a great hypertrophy stimulus. So there's no positive at all. Someone like they're doing, easy example, bench press, someone that helps them up with the weight and then they just slowly lower it down and someone helps them up. Now, that sort of thing would probably drive a heap of fatigue that's unnecessary because of how strong you are on the negative, but it just goes to show how important the negative is. So three to four seconds on the negative, one to two seconds on the negative pause, explosive on the positive, ensuring you're keeping tension on the target muscle still. We're not just like completely losing stability and just throwing the weight. And then one second pause of the positive, just to regroup, settle the weight a little bit, then trend back down. So rather than just rushing through where you're likely to lose tension on the target muscle, lose that stimulus, which is the whole point we're in the gym, That is would be my recommendation for tempo. So don't rush. Rushing in the gym is kind of like if you've got a task you need to get done for work, and just doing it as quick as you possibly can without actually thinking about the quality. When it comes to training, quality over quantity is what matters most. And not to say that we want our quality to be so pristine, perfect that it never results in you coming anywhere near failure. So we want that quality, but also like if the final reps get a little messy, that's cool. So long as we're keeping that nice control on the negative, nice, deep stretch, and then we're resting well between our sets. So rest as long as you need, don't rush through. And even if you're at the point where you're thinking, "All right, I'm ready to go maybe just give yourself another 30 seconds. You might find that you actually perform even better. You're not still, you know, gassed out from your previous set, which can limit your ability to perform. So that way you're making every single set count and something that I find really does help with training too. Oftentimes I get asked, you know, what's the best split? What do you think about this exercise? What do you think about this training day? And oftentimes with training, it's not about what you do in one session, one week. It's about the entirety of the training phase. And oftentimes I say this to clients and new clients that come on and be like, look, and I know it's not marketability, well, it's not marketable at all. Like, look, like your first program is probably not gonna be your best program. It'll probably be your worst program. But from this program, we'll be able to determine how you respond to it, you know, do you need more volume? Do you need less volume? Are we able to maybe increase the frequency on certain body parts? And then we map things out from there. So, the mindset of we want to think about our training, not just in this short term window, but the longevity of our training, not just trying to kill ourselves absolutely in one session and then it fucks us up for the rest of the, the week. And then we end up just really regressing in the gym and then we end up being burnt out. We probably end up hate training. We're not motivated ever. We've got no energy outside of the gym you can see how this goes. So we want to think about longevity. And when I was younger and maybe you're the same, I never thought about this. Every session was like do or die. I need to absolutely annihilate myself till I cannot, you know, move. And if I don't feel like death at the end of this session, it was a complete waste of time, which often is not the case. So, Dropping the ego is a big one. Now this doesn't mean, and probably one of the things that grinds my gears a lot is like, maybe someone's feeling a little bit tired or maybe they're not super motivated. It's like, oh, I'm just going to take it light today. I really, really don't like that. I think that idea is not good. It's not a habit you want to form because then all of a sudden, whenever you're feeling a little bit off, you just be like, Oh, I'll take it easy. Well, Progress doesn't care about your feelings. Not to say that we need to, you know, absolutely force things, of course there's levels to this. If you're injured or if you've hardly slept the night before, of course, that's fine. But if you're at the point where you feel like you need to take a light day, do you need to deload? Do you need to just take the day off and then just hit that session when you're next returning to the gym so that way you can actually get something out of it? Because if we just do light sessions, yeah, save it for your deloads. So drop the ego in regards to, again, what we talked about at the start, the load. Now, I was a sucker for this when I was younger. I used to always think I could only go up by 10 kilo plates or 20 kilo plates at the time, especially on the leg press. For some reason, on the leg press, I thought nothing existed other than 20 kilos and always just needed to go up one plate aside either time. But in reality, that is not the case. And if we want that progressive stimulus, ensuring that we got fantastic technique, providing that tension on the target muscle, we don't want to be too jumpy with our loads. Now, if you've been really underperforming and really far from failure, then yeah, probably a good idea to, to jump up a bit to really test where you're at. And if you just so happen to increase by 20 kilos and then you still match reps from the previous week. That sucks because then it shows the previous week, you're holding yourself back heaps, but also necessary because if you never did that, then you'd never know and you'd just be constantly holding yourself back. But once you're at that point where you've determined where your true, like limitation is where you've reached true failure with a load, don't get too aggressive with the increases is my suggestion here. Because what's the trade-off? Okay, you feel super strong, you've seen the numbers go up in the gym, but then your technique isn't as good. Maybe a few little niggles in your shoulder that you had previously have come back, and then it gets to the point that technique's so crappy, you're so sore from in, not in a good way that you actually end up having to bring the load back down and then start again. So to avoid that, we wanna keep that consistent progressive trajectory moving in the right direction more often than not like mentions in, in many other podcasts it's not about where we're at it's our trajectory that's most important so although you might want to get to a 200 kilo deadlift doesn't mean you have to get there as soon as possible you want to get there and then keep progressing from there because we want like I mentioned consistent progressive stimulus we don't want to just rush somewhere, get injured, have to go back, and then start that process all over again, which I've done many, many times back in the day. So with your progressions, how I like to structure things is having a rep guide. Now, this is not a rep range that is absolutely a must. Unfortunately, I I don't know where this came from, and I understand that for sure, but unfortunately, like if a rep range is set, like 10 to 15, for example, like, are you stopping at 15 reps because the rep range is 10 to 15? That is a great way to hold yourself back a lot because you might stop at 15. Yeah, it was kind of hard, you know, that's a rep range and I'll just keep progressing the load and just keep hitting 15 and then, you know, progress is being made, which, you know, is true, is true. But also you might do that over a six week period. You just keep hitting 15. And then really you never go to failure. You never really know where you're at. So view your rep ranges as a guide. Now, of course, you've got a coach and maybe you're a power lifter. Makes more sense to work off like a a rep target. But if your goal is to build muscle, get stronger, and it's not powerlifting specific, then view the rep ranges as a guide. If you get to the top of the rep range and you got more in the tank, do more. And then you'll be able to discover where you're truly at. So then when you, the way I set things up is I'll usually suggest 10, say 10 to 15 rep range, select a load or build up to a load that you'll aim to fail at around the higher rep guide number. Go to failure with that weight and then increase by the next smallest amount each following work set. So it's like a simple, like, of course, I've got different methods that I use depending on the client and, and phase they're in, but that's a you know very often used method that I utilize. And then once you increase each set, the reps should trend down and when you exceed the high rep range number by two reps, then the following week, you would increase by not 20 kilos, not 10 kilos, 1.25 or 2.5 kilos max. Now, when, if maybe I do decide to open up my own facility, of course, at the moment, not applicable because I'm homeless, but eventually there might be a no limits facility. And if I do open this facility, I will ensure there are one kilo plates there and dumbbells will go up by one kilo at a time because this will ensure that we keep moving forward. We don't want to jump up, go back down. We want to just keep that consistent progress moving forward. So then once you've exceeded your rep range by two, two reps, 1.25, 2.5 kilos max. Now your ego is going to be like, oh, I want to test more. Cool. Just do it with that weight. If you exceed the rep range again, perfect then go up again. And then that way each week you're consistently moving forward, forward, forward. Cause if we jump ahead too soon, we're likely just going to hold there for ages. You're going to get frustrated because you're not seeing those consistent low progressions, even though, you know, low progressions isn't the only thing. And then it can really beat you up psychologically. So small increases over time. Now, of course, with this this is assuming that we have all the fundamentals in play now for the love of god if you want to ensure you're progressing in the gym and i hope you are please ensure you are absolutely dialed in on your sleep because there is no greater performance enhancer than sleep i know it sounds super fucking cringy like like I'm your mom or dad, but it is so fucking true. Sleep is king when it comes to progress, recovery, performance, staying injury free, being able to handle greater training volumes, being able able to handle greater intensity. Because the thing with sleep too, is when we are sleep deprived, we also, like everything feels harder, right? Like if you're sleep deprived, everything feels harder. Same goes in the gym, your perception of fatigue is higher. So even though you might be able to do more, because you're sleep deprived, your perception of what is hard is actually reduced. And this is something that will just greatly limit your ability to get the most out of your work sets. So sleep routine, of course, nutrition. And this doesn't mean just making sure you're hitting your macros. Cause yes, when it comes to fat loss, hitting your protein, hitting your calories, being in a calorie deficit, you're going to lose body fat. But the thing with flexible dieting that a lot of people get wrong, and I've done a podcast on this, is they don't actually focus on nutrition quality, which if you're deficient in micronutrients because your diet doesn't have a single veggie in it, or it just has one sort of veggie, and for some reason it's always green, and it doesn't have fruit, because fruit's the devil, and sugar makes you fat apparently, um, which is a lie, you're going to find your again, your perception of difficulty will be increased. Your energy won't be as good and your recovery ability, if that's even a word, uh, won't be as good either. So making sure you're well fueled, not going into your gym sessions dehydrated and not just, let's say like for example, you've got a a gold fluid intake for the day. Let's say it's four liters if you're a male and then three liters if you're female, but I will just say four liters for everyone. Not just cramming that in like 20 minutes before your workout, cramming it in during your workout, creaming it in after your workout, having it even spread across the day. Because if we even go through periods of the day slightly dehydrated, that can carry over to your performance taking a hit. And then of course, with the nutrition, ensuring that we're not going to our sessions now. Of course, if you're training first thing in the morning and you want to train faster, cool. I would highly recommend, instead of going into and doing the entirety of the session fasted, I would say get a intra-workout carbohydrate source. And like mentioned, probably, you know, goes against all my beliefs, but if you are training fasted, you know, maybe put in some EAAs with those carbohydrates, but you could also just put some whey isolate with those carbohydrates and, you know, 25 grams of carbohydrates has been shown to adequately help your muscle action, which is still carbohydrates in the muscle with performance. So it's not a whole lot. So making sure that you're actually eating carbohydrates and protein in that close proximity to training, you're extremely well hydrated, you're extremely well slept, and then you're getting in a protein source, a carbohydrate source within at least 60 minutes post-workout. And yes, although The anabolic window has been proven wrong that it's not like you have to get a, like I used to do, get a protein shake in the second you finish your final rep. But it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, it might've been proven wrong by science, but it's probably still a really good idea. Will you notice a dramatic difference? Probably not, but it's still a really good idea just in case. So, those fundamentals alongside what I've covered today are some things that can greatly enhance what you get out of your work sets. And one thing that I find that is a great guide and probably one of the best guides to determine if you're actually giving your all to your work sets, right? Cause we can feel things, but then they're actually not reality, if that makes sense. Like we can feel like we've trained out, like we go to a F45 session, we're going to feel like we're losing body fat, but then if we don't actually in a calorie deficit, we're just going to stay the same. And we can go for a big run and feel accomplished, but if we don't, you know, move for the rest of the day, we're probably not going to lose any body fat. So same goes with the training. We might feel like we're training super hard, but the only way we can really determine that is via data, not feelings. I know it's not sexy, but how do I determine this? So you've actually got something useful out of it. So what I find is helpful is determining your rep speed throughout your sets. Now this is something I try to show a lot more on my Instagram stories to really show like the way a set should look. Now this is not me coming across arrogant of like, I know how to train, amazing. I'm very open-minded. I know there's probably a few things in my sessions of training that still need to be fixed up and I'm open to it. So not being stuck in your ways is always a good thing. So with your work sets, ensuring that you're keeping that tempo consistent like discussed before, three to four seconds on the negative, one to two seconds in the negative pause, zero second positive explosive, one second pause on the positive. Then, Your final rep speed should slow down. If your final rep speed does not slow on the positive, you are not near failure. Now, you as a genetically unique individual might only have one slow rep before you achieve failure. Different muscle fiber types, fast twitch, slow twitch can determine this. You might be someone that can just, the final rep speed slows, but then you got like another five reps after that. So what I find is helpful is the final rep speed on the positive slows to about 50% the previous reps. So there's that real grinder where you're really thinking like far out, am I actually going to get this up? Then you do, you're pretty like pretty confident to know that you're actually within, you know, three, probably if it slows 50% within one to zero reps from actual failure. And then when you go through your sets, whether you keep the load the same, or you slightly increase the load across your work sets, the reps are trending down. Now, if it happens, don't beat yourself up. But if it does happen, it's a pretty good sign that either one, you've held yourself back in that first set, or two, you've changed around your technique, maybe you sped up the tempo, or maybe you shortened the range of motion in the following sets, and then you match the reps. So it should look like instead of, let's say, three sets of, I won't do barbell back squat or flat bench press. three sets of side raises. You got 15 kilo dumbbells. If the sets look like 15 kilos times 10, 15 kilos times 10, 15 kilos times 10, it's extremely likely that either you're holding yourself back in that first set, or technique is compromised in the following sets. And even worse, if it's 15 kilos times 10, 17.5 kilos times 10, 20 kilos times 10. That is a great indicator that, that you are probably holding yourself back. And that's cool, like, a far, like I've had this lesson so many times and realize, okay, maybe I've been sandbagging a bit. Maybe it's hard, but maybe I've got more than I thought I would. And that awareness really does slingshot progress. Because training is very underrated, I think. Like, especially if like your goal is fat loss, if you really bring it to your sessions, you can turn the dial up on the likelihood that you're able to build muscle, even if it maybe isn't apparent throughout your fat loss phase. Maybe as you transition out of your fat loss, you actualize a lot of that progress that you did make, and then you get that awesome rebound post diet. It's one of the best feelings in my food experience, I'm sure you probably have, where you just feel out, you're still lean, it's amazing. Um, but ensuring that those reps are trending down. So then it would look like ideally, let's say the rep range is five to 10 on dumbbell side raises, which I would very rarely program. But anyways, um, 15 kilos times 11, notice that I went above the rep range because I went to true failure. Um, 15 kilos times nine, reps have trended down. 15 kilos times seven, so they've trended down. So those are two ways to determine that it's not just hard, but you're actually ensuring that on a, like muscular level, you're actually going to true failure. So the points we've covered, make sure you're actually warming up and doing build up sets for all your exercises. Yes, even the really light stuff, even if it just means one build up set. So my recommendations, 50% of your goal weight times six to eight reps, 70% of the goal weight for two to three reps, 90% of the goal weight for one to two reps. On the second point, Don't rush, don't rush your rest periods. Rest as long as you need to be as strong as you can and as mentally primed to attack your work sets. I'd recommend three to five minutes for your compound lifts that are heavier loaded, and then two to three minutes for your isolation lifts. If it's a super light movement, maybe one minute, but even then I think two minutes is the way to go. Um, With your tempo, ensuring that you're not just dive bombing your reps and just rushing through them. Lean into that discomfort, really control that negative three to four seconds, one to two seconds on the negative stretch, uh, negative pause, zero seconds on the positive, one second on the positive pause, but you could even do zero seconds on the positive pause too. As As I mentioned, the negative and the negative portion pause is the most hypertrophic and where the greatest growth stimulus is. Drop the ego. Stop chasing just load progressions at the cost of your technique and stimulus on the target muscle. Stimulus, progressive stimulus is a goal, not just load. Yes, you might've gone up in load, but if your technique was worse, dramatically worse and you shorten the range of motion, you sped up the tempo, you're probably at a net loss with your progressions. Now, not to say be scared of taking progressions, just go up gradually. Don't jump the gun. 1.25 to 2.5 kilos max per lift. And when it comes to the ego side of things, that is one of the best things we can do when it comes to training. Drop the ego, make sure that we're staying consistent with our tempo execution, we're making sure the reps are really slowing down on that final part, and we're seeing the reps trend down across the sets. And it's safe to say that you're doing everything you can in the gym to ensure that you're getting those work sets as effective as possible for your gains and your strength and your progress over the long run, not just thinking about the short term. And then of course, with all the other podcasts I've done on sleep, nutrition, pre-intra post-workout nutrition, all that stuff is extremely important and doesn't need to be overstated um, because it should just be a non-negotiable. If your goal is to progress in the gym, It's oftentimes not what we do in that one to two hours in the gym. More often than not, it's the other 23, 22 hours out of the gym that make the biggest difference. But just in case you you weren't doing these things in the gym, I hope you give them a go. I hope you find great progress from them and more confidence and clarity attacking your sessions. So I hope you smash it in the gym over the coming week. Thank you very much for tuning into today's podcast and I'll speak to you soon.